0: Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In our series on prayer at the moment, uh, we've been looking at the, the why, the how, and the when of prayer. And today we're looking at uh, when we retreat to pray. Douglas, can we put that up on the screen? When we retreat to pray. And in particular, uh, what I wanted to look at Uh, was the area of rest. What does it mean to us when Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest? What is the place of rest in our lives today? So as we uh, think about these things, shall we just pray together? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us through it. Lord, we pray that you give us open hearts to receive your word today. Lord, by your spirit, would you open our eyes to see what it says and to see what you're saying to us today. Lord, would you work in us your will that we might be free, that we might take up the yoke that you would have us carry. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I just had an article down here that I um, read in the paper. I don't know if you picked up on this one. It was uh, from last Sunday. This one was in the Telegraph, and it was the news that um, that mobile phone coverage is coming to the Tube. That um, Virgin Media, along with uh, Alcatel-Lucent, the French uh, sort of technology giant, uh, are going to be providing mobile phone coverage on the tube um, so that you can pick up the phone when you're underground and you can read your emails. I wonder how you react to that news, whether you go, oh, great, Uh, I've always found it frustrating that I haven't been able to uh, contact the office or they haven't been able to get hold of me when I'm underground. Or perhaps more like me, you've you've felt, oh, no, that was my one place. Of safety on the way to work and on the way back, where no one could get a hold of me, and now it's gone. And uh, Alcatel-Lucent boast that the uh, the boost in productivity as workers uh, check their emails and make calls on the move should be worth around 1.1 billion to the British economy. Brilliant for all you workers out there. Good news. Um, Or perhaps over the last Easter bank holiday, you remember a headline. I saw this one. You know they've they've got those digital um, billboards where they they flash up, like Bloomberg news announcements, that kind of thing. Uh, And this headline read, um, the average bank holiday costs the UK economy 2.3 billion pounds. Do we really need so many? And this is from the uh, delightfully named Center for Economics and Business Research. They say that their rough-and-ready calculations show that if the eight regular bank holidays were cancelled in an average year, the annual GDP of the UK would rise by about 1.3% or 19 billion pounds. They go on to say, in a normal year, eight holidays is probably not too many, though they could be spaced out a bit better in the year. Well, I'm glad, for one, that they're not the ones making the choice on that particular decision. Where is the place of rest in our society today? Is it a valued commodity? Is it something valuable to us? Got me thinking about uh, the old Mars bar advert. You have to be a certain age to remember this advert. So I'm just going to show it to you. Uh, you have to forgive the 80s haircuts, which are actually coming back into fashion, uh, but the outfit's probably not quite back into fashion just yet. But here's an old Mars, Mars bar advert. Some fine paintings in there you're going to enjoy. There's just one hour in this lovely old house, please, ladies and gentlemen. And that'll give me time to have a Mars. Great thing to have with you. They always taste so good. It's the goodness of milk, sugar, glucose, and thick, thick chocolate in a Mars that helps you work, rest, and play. Mars a day helps you work, rest, and play. There we go. A Mars a day helps you work, rest, and play. Work, rest, and play—three ingredients, perhaps, for a healthy life. We can discuss later whether a Mars bar actually helps you to achieve any of those. But uh, that, that, that um, phrase, work, rest, and play, has been going around in my, in my head over the last couple of months. Uh, and it got me thinking about the time when I went to start uh, working in the recruitment sector. I was working there for 10 years, and um, I was... I was excitedly told that working for this organization was very much working for a a work hard, play hard culture. That's what we have, a work hard, play hard culture. So we thrash ourselves. Uh, The the phrase 110% was used quite frequently. Uh, We thrash ourselves during the week, and then we thrash ourselves during the weekend as well. If you're not in the office, you're in the pub. Uh, If you're not in the pub or the office, you're recovering. But work hard, play hard uh, was a valued attitude towards life. And you can see from the uh, when you put those two together, where is the place of rest in our life? Look, there you go. Someone's trying to get a hold of us already. <laughs> where is the place of rest in our life? Um, also, in the tubes recently, I don't know if you can see that, but that one's in Earls Court Tube Station There are posters that have popped up, workshopplay, workshopplay.co.uk. And if you were interested enough to find out what that was, it was basically a a sort of new new media community geared at uh, trying out new uh, retail opportunities, new products on you. Um, And so you'll notice that over the decades, uh, rest has been uh, taken out of the picture, and now we have had it replaced with shopping. Uh, Retail is the ultimate leisure activity. If you go on holiday, you have a nice two-hour time spot to go and exercise your retail uh, activities in an airport. Airports now are retail parks more than they are places of travel. And so we find our cheap airline seats Basically, um, sponsored by our retail activities down at uh, at BAA, uh, the retail park that is Heathrow or Gatwick. Underneath um, this movement is an underlying question, I believe, for you and for me. And that is who are you? Who are you? What is your place in this world? If we asked our friends from the Center for Economics and Business Research, perhaps they would describe us as nodes of productivity. Workers, uh, was the the phrase, the the term used by Alcatel-Lucent to describe the travelers on the tube. Our purpose, to fuel the global economy, maybe to fuel the local economy, maybe to better our own particular economic standing in the process, and possibly even to, uh, as an offshoot of that, to, to better the circumstances of those in need in our communities, although that may be arguable. If we were to ask our friends behind um, work, shop and play, They would perhaps describe our ultimate identity as consumers. By our association with the right products, the right clothes, the right furniture, the right kitchen, the right car, the right holiday, the right handbag, the right coffee, the right cupcake, the right laptop, I craft for myself an identity. I enhance my identity, I project an identity. I recreate myself, like Madonna or Kylie. Every few years, I take on a new identity. But you don't have to get far in a newspaper to see uh, that these claims over our identity um, are unfounded, as Sarah again was picking up in the, in the prayers today. I wonder whether the, uh, those voters in Greece see themselves as workers, first and foremost, as uh, people who fuel a global economy. They'll be asking themselves questions of sovereignty at the moment, given quite a dilemma between uh, perhaps Brussels on the one hand and the global markets on the other. Who do they think that they are? And uh, the consumerist label was called into question last year as riots hit the streets of London. And the the irony is um, as people were um, looting high worth uh, shops coming out with stereos and leather jackets only the the high value items seem to be targeted. Perhaps it's at a time like this that we need to stop. And we need to find out who we really are, to find out what's really important once again. And perhaps that involves taking a rest. So what does the Bible have to say about rest? Well, in the Old Testament, there are two main themes regarding rest. And the first one is that of Sabbath. In the book of Genesis, we understand that God created the world and God's work in creating the world is described in in terms of six days and a seventh one, he rested from his labor and he sat back and he enjoyed uh, what he had achieved. And this pattern was woven into human existence. And from the very earliest stages, we see that the understanding of of, uh, how a human being should live out their life was in this rhythm of six days of work, one day of rest. And So when we come to the giving of the law with God's people around Mount Sinai, the Sabbath was placed firmly in the Ten Commandments handed out to this community. The command to observe the Sabbath is for us to recognize our limitations. We are limited people. We are finite. Our capacity is limited. We are not gods. We are human beings. But the flip side of the Sabbath provision is to recognize that God is God. That God is not limited. And that God has committed himself to meeting our needs. This is a covenant arrangement around the Sabbath. God gives himself to us. We give ourselves to God. And in choosing not to work on the Sabbath, we recognize that at the end of the day, all comes from God. We are reliant on him to meet our needs day by day, week by week. That's the Sabbath. The other theme of rest is a bit more complicated. It has to do with salvation. In this uh, this term, rest for the people of God is rest from their enemies, from those who would oppress them. And the arch villain in the Old Testament account is Pharaoh. Let my people go freedom from oppression, freedom for slavery. And that freedom took place by entering into the promised land. The promised land is referred to as my rest by God throughout the Bible. So we read in Psalm 95 of those who had um, chosen not to believe God in the wilderness. He says in the very final verse of Psalm 95, they shall not enter my rest. Similarly, when uh, years later, when David, uh, the, the, uh, the high king over Israel, had defeated all of his enemies, uh, it was described in terms of David entering his rest. Rest in this situation was entering into the promised land, not to um, stop working, but to be fruitful in our labors. It was a land described as flowing with milk and honey. The cows still needed to be milked. The, the hives of the bees still needed to be tended. There's still work in this sense. But this rest is a deliverance from all that oppresses. And we understand from the account of the Old Testament that this, uh, this promise was only partially fulfilled. They only partially had deliverance from their enemies. As we come to the New Testament... We find that the people of Israel are oppressed by a new power, by that of Rome. Where is the rest now in the promised land? And so into this, we hear Jesus' words as he comes to his people. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The promise of Jesus here is salvation, is deliverance from everything that oppresses us, that enslaves us. Jesus came both as Lord of the Sabbath in the the chapters preceding the one that we read. Jesus makes a claim to be Lord of the Sabbath. So he breaks the Sabbath rules. He heals people on the Sabbath. His disciples pick ears of corn on the Sabbath. Why is that? It's not because he devalues the, sab- the Sabbath. It's because he's stating that he is king over the Sabbath as God incarnate amongst us. He doesn't say that the Sabbath is, uh, is irrelevant. No, he says that the Sabbath is made for human beings, not human beings for the Sabbath. We need Sabbath rest. We need it. But at the same time, Jesus presents us with a promise of salvation from all that oppresses us, all that pushes in on us. He describes all those things as a sort of burden to us. Are you weary today? Are you heavy laden today? Life is often hard work, but Jesus offers us peace, he offers us rest. He offers us assurance of our worth before we've proved anything. In him, we find our true identity as children of God, created in his image, albeit with limitations, with glorious limitations, so that we can enjoy God's unlimited grace, which is new to us every morning. And for us, this is part of what salvation looks like. Jesus offers to take these burdens from us. To show us a new identity, not as a consumer, not as a worker. He offers to free us from that striving that we see around us in our global city today. He says, come away with me. Rest. Find out who you really are. Find out what's really important. So what of retreat? The title of uh, today's talk was about uh, going um, uh, when we retreat to pray. Well, in Mark's gospel, there's, there's a little episode uh, in Mark six thirty one, where Jesus says to his disciples, and the, the setting is, um, that, that many people were coming and pressing in on them so that they didn't even have a chance to eat. And Jesus said to his disciples, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And there seems to be this sense that occasionally what we need to do is just leave town. We need to get away from all that that's pressing in on us. Even the good ministry that the disciples had been doing with Jesus, healing people, uh, teaching the good news. Jesus, in the midst of all of this, says, come away. It's not about working harder to achieve all of this stuff. Come away with me. Get some rest. Personally, I found um, in my own life that to get away with Jesus is a really important thing. And um, thankfully, I have a wife who releases me a couple of times a year to go away. And um, what I do is I just lay down all of my agendas, and I seek to just spend some time with Jesus. Forgetting about all my to-do list, I write all, all that's on my mind, I just write it down, and I put it to one side for that period of time. And then I pick it up again when I go home. And it looks slightly different. The, the context in which I see it looks completely different after spending a bit of time with Jesus. Because I've rediscovered who I am. I've rediscovered what's really important. I believe that... Um, I believe that Jesus is looking at us today, seeing our lives, seeing what it is that burdens us, what is oppressing on us, what is pushing us down. And he says, lay down those burdens at my feet. Take my yoke upon you, because it's a light burden. It's easy. Walk with me. So I wanted to um, give us a chance just to respond to that now and I'm going to ask Jamie to to come up and uh, the band will just play quietly and I thought maybe what we could do is just stand up together. I wonder if Um, you um, recognize that absence of rest in your own life or if there's something in particular that is weighing you down today. Be it um, something to do with work, something to do with relationships and Jesus says to us all, come to me. Maybe just Let's close our eyes together and imagine Jesus in front of us. Imagine that burden, whatever it is, if it's a person or a, a situation, a hope, a disappointment. Imagine Jesus reaching out his hands to you. Will you put that in his hands, that burden? And Jesus is saying, receive my rest. Let's sing a uh, song together.